Amen and amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading us this morning to the cross. We continue today in our cross-examination series. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, we will read that here in just a moment, verses 4 through 9. But it's been said that the heart of Christianity is the Bible. The heart of the Bible is the cross. And the heart of the cross is the very heart of God himself. For inscribed upon the cross, we see in shining letters, God is love. The Lamb who died upon the tree has brought us mercy from above. Today we come to the intersection of the cross. We've talked about the wonderful cross. We've talked about the magnitude of the cross. Today we talk about the intersection of the cross Friday evening, we will end this series with the reality of the cross. And I want to encourage you to come be a part of our Good Friday service Friday evening. 7 o'clock, it'll be right here. It'll be very intimate. It'll be very, um, it's a unique service that, that we do. So let me encourage you to come be a part of it. And the next Sunday, we focus heavily on the cross leading up and through Good Friday. So that way, when we get to next Sunday... We focus on the empty cross and we celebrate that not only was the cross empty, but the tomb was empty as well. And so we ought to celebrate that next week. And so next Sunday morning service will be driven by celebration, driven by the fact that we know we serve a risen Savior. But today we come to the intersection of the cross. We must deal with it. If you came in the front doors this morning or if you walked through the foyer, There's a cross sitting right there in the foyer this morning. You had to do something with it. You had to walk around it. You had to could have bumped into it. Some of you may have even complained that the cross was sitting in the middle of the foyer this morning. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't it doesn't go well with our motif out there, whatever it is. Think about it. We we complain about funny stuff, folks. But I did that purposefully this morning. Because every one of us that walked through that foyer, every one of us that came through those doors this morning had to do something at the intersection of that cross. And so this morning as we look into the the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, we're going to look and see that each one of us today will come to the intersection of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not a typical Palm Sunday message, but it's a message I believe that each one of us Here in just a few moments, we'll answer the question, what will we do with the cross of Christ? And so Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, if you're able, would you please stand with me out of the respect of the reading of God's word. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. I preached on this passage not too long ago. Actually, we focused on verse 10, so I almost didn't want to go back to this passage, but it's where the Lord led, and that's where we're going to park this morning. So starting in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray 
Each one of us will come to the intersection of the cross in our hearts. And God, I pray we would respond appropriately. God, I thank you that nobody in this place has to walk away empty this morning because you, you sent your son to die for each one of us. And I pray, Father, that as we come to the cross this morning, we know we have life, we have forgiveness, we have love simply because you're willing to show us that through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, as your Holy Spirit has had freedom to work in this place through our music, I pray that you'd have freedom to work in this place now through the message and that I would only say exactly what you want me to say. Father, that you would work in our lives and that we would see lives change today because of the preaching of your word. It's in your son's name. Amen and amen. So we come to the intersection of the cross today. We're going to walk through this passage of Scripture to see what happens at the intersection of the cross. First, whenever we come to the intersection of the cross, we understand it is where love meets the unlovable. Love meets the unlovable. If you look back in verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love He has loved us with, Listen, he's the great love. It's not just love, friends. He loved us with a great love. And by the way, can we just get this out of the fact this morning real quick? You, you'll see as I start each point, we're, we're, we all fall into the same boat. We all fall into the category this morning, or we have at some point in our life, that we were unlovable. There's not a person in here. You may be the most romantic, you may be the most lovable, squishy person out there this morning. Squishy, yeah. But at some point in your life, you were still unlovable. Isaiah 53 and 6, it says, We are all like sheep who have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, by the way, the iniquity of us all. So every single person in here this morning has been unlovable at some point. And you see, our eyes, whenever we, when we walk through society, when we see the unlovables, we just don't love them. Eh, they're not worth it. But friends, at the cross, we understand that each and every person was unlovable, but God lavished His love on us. That's why we could see in John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, For God loved the world. Is that what it says? So love. Yeah, y'all are in it this morning. Good. He so loved us. It's not just love. It's so loved us. That's what drove him to send his one and only son to the cross for you and for me. Augustine said he loves each one of us as if we were the only, if, as if there was only one of us. Adrian Rogers said God doesn't just love all of us. He loves each of us. We understand that when we come to the foot of the cross, love pours over us. 1 John 4 verse 9 says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we looked at this passage last week, but God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hear me this morning, friends. Each one of us was, was unlovable, but each one of us is loved. Hear me. God loves you, and he showed that through the cross. Someone wrote, not the nails, but his wondrous love for me. Kept my Lord on the cross of Calvary. Oh, what power could hold him there? All my sin and shame to bear. Not the nails, but his wondrous love for me. We come to the cross this morning where love meets the unlovable. But secondly, we come to the intersection of the cross this morning where death meets life. Death meets life. Life, if you look back in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But God, being rich in His mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Even when we were dead. The only way to get made alive again is to come to the cross. Every one of us, because we have broken His law, deserves one thing and one thing only. Death. Matter of fact, He tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be a part of your life, if you've never dealt with the cross, understand this, you deserve death. Death. You say, well, I haven't done anything real bad. Well, listen to what Romans 5 says. It says, for if because one of one man's trespass or sin, death reigned through that one man, much more. Is that messing up? Much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Listen, because Adam sinned, that's when death entered the world. But just as sin entered the world through one man, life entered the world through one man as well, and his name was Jesus Christ. And so this morning, although we come and we deserve death, we come to the intersection of the cross and we understand that although we deserve death, we can walk out of here alive. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 says, and this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this is the life in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. But whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Some of us need to act like we got life. We come to the intersection of the cross. We get saved. We have that love. We've been unlovable. He shows us that love. We need to know that we're not dead any longer. He's given us life. And so today, if you sit here and you've never come and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you've come to the intersection of the cross today. You come dead, but understand, we have a God who specializes in new life. You see, the early Indians... Whenever there would be a, a prairie fire or anything like that, they saved their wigwams 
from fire by setting fire to the dry grass immediately adjoining their settlement. Whenever they were asked about it, they say, he said the, the, the chief said the fire cannot come where fire has already been. Fire cannot come where fire has already been. Listen, friends, that's why I call you to the cross this morning. Judgment has already fallen there and can never come again. He who takes his stand at the cross is safe forevermore. He can never come into condemnations, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He is passed from death to life. He is at perfect peace in God's safety zone. Listen, we come to the intersection of the cross, and we come dead, but we leave alive. Colossians 2, 13, you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. At the intersection of the cross, Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus died so that you and I could live. That's why the Apostle Paul was in Galatians chapter 2 was able to write, For I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Friends, we come to the intersection of the cross. We come dead. We leave alive. But thirdly, we come to the intersection of the cross and we see where guilt meets forgiveness. Guilt meets forgiveness. If we go back to the text this morning, it says, We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sin. I said just a few moments ago, because of that, we, because of our sin, we deserved punishment. You see, when we sin, it brings shame. It brings guilt. And by the way, there's not a person in here this morning who has been without sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Not a perfect person in this place besides Jesus himself. We come to the intersection of the cross and we see that, oh yes, we're guilty. Oh yes, we deserve punishment. But we come to the intersection of the cross and we leave with forgiveness. A missionary in the wilds of Africa was telling the greatest story of all about the, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This particular evening, the people gathered in the, in the open on a beautiful moonlit night. There was a clearing in the forest. The missionary told them in, in very vivid detail of the wonderful miracles in the life of Christ. And finally, he got to the, his death on the cross. And seated on the very front row was the, was the village chief. And he had listened very intently all evening to what the missionary had said. And as the missionary was as he told of how Christ was nailed to the cross, as Christ was beaten and led up Golgotha's hill, the chief jumped up and he said, Stop! Take him down from the cross. I belong there, not him. He realized he was a sinner and that Christ was the sinless one. Friends, this morning we need to understand Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. We also need to understand the great promise of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 that says, If 
we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's only available because of the blood that was shed on the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank God this morning at the intersection of the cross is where we find forgiveness. He washes away all of my sin and all of my guilt and all of my shame and it will never, ever be brought back up again. Listen, friends, he did nothing to deserve this punishment. He wasn't guilty. The Pharisees were. He wasn't guilty. Pilate was. He wasn't guilty. The criminals hanging on the other side of him were. He wasn't guilty. I was. But as I come to the cross, I come guilty, but I leave forgiven. Lastly, we come to the intersection of the cross this morning. And we see it's where grace meets works. It's where grace meets work. If we continue on in, in our passage, it says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ made, or made us, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages He might show us the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We come to the cross realizing this morning that no matter how hard we work, we still fall short of being able to do good enough to get to heaven. There's not a person in this place this morning, there's not a person in this world who can do enough good to make it to heaven. You can't put enough money in the offering plate to get you to heaven. You can't attend enough church to get you to heaven. You can't watch enough TV preachers to get you to heaven. You can't do enough good things to get you to heaven. Listen, no matter how many good works you deposit in the bank account of your life, your sin debt will always overdraw that account. It will always overdraw that account. But yet, how many people try to work their way into heaven? I've been good my whole life. I'm a good guy. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. And I don't go with girls who do. We understand that. Hey, we're in the southern part of the state. If you go farther east, you can't use that illustration. <laughs> Tried to one time, and I had a lady ask me, what? Is there anything wrong with women who chew? No, ma'am. You go right ahead. But how many times have we heard, oh, he's a good old boy? He's a good old boy. He'll make it. Friends, being a good old boy doesn't get you into heaven. Being good, working hard in this life doesn't get you to heaven. It'd be kind of like, suppose you were driving out on I-35 and you got a speeding ticket. And the highway patrolman, I'm thankful for our troopers, I'm thankful for our police officers, but the trooper said, here's your ticket and I will see you in court. You must show up. So the day in your, your court date comes and you show up and, and, and the judge looks at your ticket and he says, Sir, madam, you were going, you, your, your ticket is for speeding. How do you plead? And you say, whoa, 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 wait. I was guilty this one time. But you know, I've driven on I-35 many times. And, and most every other time I go the speed limit. 
I'm pretty good. I wasn't going as fast as those people from another state to our south across the Red River. I wasn't driving crazy. Most of the time, I'm good. If you let me off this time, I promise to never break the law again. I promise to always go the speed limit. I believe that judge would pull his glasses down on his nose and he would say, never to break the law again is only to do what the law demands. You get no extra credit for that. The penalty of breaking the law is a separate matter and must be paid. Listen, friends. There's people that think today, God, oh, I'm a good person. But at the end of life, it doesn't matter. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. In Romans chapter 11, Paul is talking about the remnant of Israel and, and, and their salvation. He makes the following statement in Romans chapter 11 that applies to us today as well. It says, But if, if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Listen, friends, we only have salvation today because of God's grace. Not a person deserved it. We come to the intersection of the cross and we understand that our works are not good enough and it's only by grace we are saved. You see, the apostle here mentions it three times in these short few verses that we are saved by grace. Why? So that no man can boast. Listen, God's grace not only offers salvation, but some of you need to get a hold of this this morning. God's grace not only offers salvation, but it secures it as well. So if you can't do any good deeds or enough good deeds to be saved, can I tell you this morning, you can't do enough bad deeds to lose your salvation. Our works play no part in either earning or keeping salvation. Think of it this way. If it could, let's say we get saved, and there's people that tell you you can lose your salvation, but if our works play any part in getting and attaining salvation or losing our salvation, think of it this way. Then those who reach heaven could say that, yes, Christ saved me. By their good lives, they kept their salvation. If, if, our, if our works determine the length of our salvation, we can understand that by grace we have been saved, but if I do enough bad stuff, I lose my salvation, then those, whenever they get to heaven, say, yeah, I was saved by grace, but, but I, I, I retained my salvation by my good works. Listen, if that's the case, that would mean God would be robbed of having all the glory in eternity because they would receive glory for doing enough good to keep their salvation. And if you can't do enough good to get salvation, you can't do enough good to keep it. Hear me this morning. When we come to the intersection of the cross, we receive God's grace. So let me wrap all this up this morning. We come to the intersection of the cross, each one of us does today. The question is, what will you do with it? What will you leave with when you come to the cross, what will you leave with today? Will you leave with death or will you leave with life? Will you leave with guilt and shame or will you leave with forgiveness? 
Will you leave still trying to do your best? Or will you leave covered by the grace of God? It's up to you. The truth is, the act of the cross has already been done. It's up to you to accept what it gives. Jesus Christ died so that each one of us, each and every one of us, could be saved. Scripture tells us, God is not slow in keeping His promise, as some count slowness. Talking about His return. But He's holding on. Because our Heavenly Father doesn't want to see anyone perish and go to hell. You see, friends, we come today to the intersection of the cross and you could choose to walk around it. You can choose to gripe about it. You can choose to say, oh, that's hideous. You can choose to say, what's that doing there? You can choose to kneel before it. But listen to me, friends. One day, every one of us will bow. One day, you can do it on your own today, or you can do it when you get to eternity. But one day, each and every person will bow, and we will humble ourselves before the Lord, and we will cry out that His name is holy. And if you didn't deal with the cross in this life, you will deal with it next, in the next. But then it'll be too late. And I look across this room and I love each and every one of you. Whether I know you personally or not, I love you. And there's not a person in this place today that I don't want to spend eternity with. There's not a person in this place today that I want to walk out of here dead and not alive. There's not a person in this place today I want to, you to walk out of here feeling guilty and shameful and not forgiven. I, there's not a person in this place today that I don't want you to understand the magnitude of the grace of our Heavenly Father. It's available to you. What are you walking away with today? It's up to you. Would you stand with me this morning? As you stand I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. We come to our time of response this morning knowing that each one of us has to deal with the cross. You're here, you've heard it. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. If you're here without Jesus Christ, if you've never dealt with it, if you've always walked away from it, it's simple this morning. You come to the intersection of the cross and you say, God, I know I'm unworthy. But I know you sent your son to die for me. Please come into my heart and change me. Oh, thank you for paying my debt. And thank you for giving me eternal life. I receive your grace this morning. Change me.